This is Strange Assembly episode 195, the stronghold of the games. <laughs> I'm Chris Stevenson here with the president of Stronghold Games, Stephen Bonacor, and this is Board Games Insider. Right? No? That is... Am I, am I on the wrong podcast? <laughs> Board Games Insider is my podcast. Oh, no, but this is this is Strange <laughs> Assembly. I am I'm not an insider. I am, I am a board games outsider fighting against a, a rigged system. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's it. That's it. You're fighting an uphill battle to get inside. <laughs> if you have a successful podcast and people listen to you, you're an insider. That's all. That's all. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, nah, see, uh, if I was an insider, it would be a lot more responsibility. Yeah, you know, you're right. Then you wouldn't be able to spend time with the kids and, and things like that that you said that you were doing before we uh, we got together here. Yes, and if I... If you don't do any board game things for a week, that's really bad. If I don't do anything board games for a while, eh, maybe there's some listeners who are disappointed, but it's 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 not the end of the world. <laughs> when I when I quote unquote take off a week, which is unheard of and impossible, bad things definitely happen <laughs> in at least in stronghold games uh, territory. Yes. Okay. So we are in the. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's really long enough, but let's call it an interregnum between the <laughs> great word. The, what the, the two big board game launch uh, launches of the the year, Gen Con and the Spiel at Essen. I've never been to Essen, but I've been told that they don't like it if you just call it Essen because that's the city, not the fair. Right? I don't know that that's really true. I mean, everybody, everybody calls it Essen. I mean, even the Germans that I speak to always call it uh, call it Essen. But uh, you know, certainly, certainly, it, technically, it's not even called just Spiel or the Spiel. It's, and I'm going to pronounce it very badly, International Spieltage, which means loosely um, International Game Days. That's the official title, and those are the signs you see all over the place in the city of Essen and at the show itself. So, but we can, we can call it Essen. I think that's okay. <laughs> All right. So, here we've been playing things that we picked up at Gen Con. Now, when we were at Gen Con with you, we talked about the games that Stronghold came out with at Gen Con, including The Pursuit of Happiness and The Dragon and Flagon. <laughs> Maybe the terraforming Mars. Nope. I'm not. No. Okay. <laughs> but I know that there's there's also a lot of um, interpublisher exchange of things that goes on at Gen Con. So, what did you get at Gen Con that you have really enjoyed playing since then? Well, I got to tell you, I didn't pick up any any games myself when I was there. Um, you didn't trade anything? No, I you know... That, I thought that's what you guys did all the time before and after the show. You know, I mean, I guess a lot of publishers do that, but, you know, I and I, I certainly have in the long past, you know, when, when I was a smaller publisher, not that I'm big, but, you know, you get to a certain size and there's so much to do and there's so many things that have to get done at the show and after the show, you've taken so many meetings, you got to follow up. 
that I, I did not pick up games there that I'm actually going to have to play afterwards. I picked up some prototypes that I have to play, and so I guess I can say I played some prototypes, but I can't really tell you about those, you know, whether or not sure. I'm going to do them or not do them in the future. You might may or may not hear about them. But I've had a, um, I mean, as far as, like, my current, like, uh, gaming group, we've been playing a bunch of prototypes that I can't talk about, but we've also been, we're still trying to get through Pandemic Legacy, which is just a phenomenal game, and uh, that's that's been something that's, it's been hard to, you know, be able to basically get the approximately, you know, 20 games or so, maybe, you know, it's somewhere between 12 and 24 games of that that you have to play to get through the entire, the entire game. So we've, we kind of stopped, and then we've taken a couple of months off during the con- heavy convention season, and then we're about to pick up again. We actually picked up another, another one of the months, because you play months in the game. You picked up another of those months, but then we had to stop again. So we've been going back and forth on that for a while. So that's the biggest, um, like of the, of the mainstream games that I've, uh, I've been playing, you know, besides my own stuff, uh, in a while. Pandemic Legacy, uh, a very, Worthy game to sink a uh, to sink a lot of time into. Absolutely, it's it is a phenomenal game in in concept and in execution. I just a, a definitely a yardstick for uh, you know for that for the legacy style games, Risk Legacy, which I which I liked. I know it didn't go over well with everybody. You know the legacy concept certainly was brilliant. Has spawned this and and other games like it to come. Uh, but Pandemic Legacy is is perfect beginning to end. I think it it deserves being the uh, you know, the number one rated game on a ranked game of Board Game Geek. Not that you could talk about them today. I'm wondering, like, would people really like to hear about prototype games? Because that would be different. Or would that would that be completely uninteresting for people to hear about? Because it'd be some game that even if it ever got published, would get published like a year and a half from now. I have a lot of people, well, they ask, there's a lot of, a lot of podcasts and a lot of people ask, well, what's coming next? So that's somewhere between the, you know, what are you playing as a prototype and, you know, what have you already signed and is, and is coming out. And in neither case can I talk about <laughs> them. <laughs> because, you know, on one case, we have to do a lot of prototypes and a lot of games that have already been published. Like, you know, because a lot of my games are not taken from prototype stage. They're taken from a publisher in Europe or in Asia has already done a game. And then we take it and then we say, oh, this is really good. We want to co-publish this. We want to publish this for the North American market. So I do a significant amount of those, but none of the, you know, none of that I can really, you know, give a, a full dissertation on because it's always something that, you know, we don't want to talk about games that, A, first of all, are so far in advance that, you know, people will forget about them, you know, between now and then anyway. And of course, we always want to talk about the things that are, that are happening right now because, because right now, you know, the time between Essen and uh, between Gen Con and Essen, the interregnum, as you put it, <laughs> is a, such an important time in the gaming industry that um, there's, there's so much going on. Every publisher's got a, so many releases, and we all want to you know, make sure that we talk to the gamers about why they may or may not want to look at some of these games coming out. Maybe I could be more forward-looking, but I... It just got rearranged today, but I have... as With all the... I did the the BGG math trade, and so I have at least, between new things and that, I have at least 30 games sitting on a buffet downstairs that need to get played, so you guys could actually <laughs> pause for a little bit, and I I would uh, could actually catch up. <laughs> but the industry never pauses. No. 
it is kind of a and I, and I and I'm an old school gamer. I mean, I've been gaming for forever. I mean, literally forever since you don't want to know. And I do love a lot of the older the older games. And and when we even talk older, you know, we're only talking about games, you know, from the late 90s in a lot of cases, mid to late 90s when the Euro game revolution kind of started and broke out. So those games, and I think and recently, I mean, it hasn't been um, within the last two weeks, but in the last four weeks, I've played Vegas Showdown. I don't know if you've ever played that phenomenal game about building uh, casinos uh, in Las Vegas. Each person's trying to build the best casino hotel. And also, and I'm just remembering, oh, Amon Ray, which was a fantastic, fantastic bidding Euro game. They both have a similar auction mechanic, those two games, so they're, they're it's kind of go-to games for a lot of my group when we want to go go old school. And, of course, old school is only like, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, you know. It's not all that long ago, but, uh, you know, still the, the the industry itself is constantly putting out new games and constantly trying to drive forward on new designs. So, and, of course, being in the industry and trying to make money on these things, you know, we've got kind of constantly have to stay ahead of that curve and find those new great games to uh, to bring out to gamers. Yeah. Now you you mentioned a minute ago uh, co-publishing games, and I know I had picked up Pursuit of Happiness from from Stronghold uh, at GenCon, which was mm-hmm. one of those. Are any of your Essen releases in that category? I know Jorvik is, which I may be mispronouncing. That's a new edition of an old game, but that's not, or is that it, that's not a co-publishing one, is it? Every one of the games, with the exception of one game that I'm doing for Essen release is co-published uh, with another okay. another European publisher. The only one that is not, I might as well pick that one first, and we'll talk about it, is The Fog of War. The Fog of War is Jeff Engelstein's first solo design. Jeff Engelstein, noted podcaster, has been on the Dice Tower Network forever. Ludology is his podcast. He's the designer of Space Cadets, Space Cadets Dice Duel, he also had one uh, with Z-Man Games well before that, and it's escaping me the name. I'm sorry, Jeff, right now. Um, but the Ares um, Project? The Ares Project. Thank you. And I'm about to say it had to do with Mars. Ares, Mars. That's right. So uh, he's always designed his games with his, with his family. His, his daughter and his son are his co-designers. And they are and, – and it's not just a joke. First of all, now they're 20 and 22 years old, respectively. So they're not, it's not just like lip service that they're part of the design team. No, no, they are integral designers. And believe me, these kids are, and they're adults, are as smart, smart or smarter than anybody I know. And, and Jeff is brilliant, uh, as, as anybody who's ever heard him, uh, knows. So Jeff did his first solo design, and it's a World War II European theater game, which has been done a million times, but Jeff did a completely different take on this, where he looks at the very grand strategic, the operational aspects of the war and the bluffing and the feints that went on. So when the Axis or the Allies determine that they want to attempt to attempt a, an operation, they're going to go into some area, they pl- have to plan that operation. So they put out, start putting out cards on an operation wheel. That's the beginning. And then they can only launch it after a certain number of, of turns go by. And in the meantime, you can add to the operation, you can continue growing it, and your opponent can do intel to attempt to see if they can learn something about it. You could be completely bluffing them, or it could be the biggest invasion of the war. So 
it's it's this very interesting take on that European theater that no one's ever done before, and another Jeff Engelstein genius design that I'm I'm hoping that anybody who's like who's into two player war games they take a look at this because it's it's going to be I believe something that's truly unique in that genre. Is this the one that you're that's out as part of the Great Designer series? It is. I think I I gave nod to Jeff and what he's done for the industry already. By the end of this season, by the end of the year, I will have seven games in that Great Designer series. The Fog of War being number four in the Great Designer series. Um, number five would be Yurvik. You mentioned that one already. Yurvik uh, is a co-publication with Edgar Spieler. Uh, Edgar Spieler has done some amazing things recently, and they continue like year after year of putting out games that win Spiel de Jar, Kenner Spiel de Jar. Jork, J- Jorvik, or it's, it's J-O-R-V-I-K, that's how you pronounce it, Jorvik, is a uh, re-implementation, reimagining of an early Stefan Feld game. And Stefan Feld, again, great designer. I think he's got a few highly ranked games. Really, really does. And I've always wanted to, you know, work, work with him. So I was able to do that via Eggerspiele. And this is a re-implementation of a game that is essentially unpronounceable in the English language. It's called Die Spiekerstadt. That was the original name for this game. And it, it also has a, um, a expansion that we, that they built, we built right into the game. And that was even less pronounceable. It's like Kaiser Spieker. Something like that. So, Jorvik, we rethemed it to a Viking themes. Vikings are hot and Vikings are cool. Beautiful artwork and took away the heavy German parts of the game and brought it out into this, you know, Jorvik is the, is the ancient name for the city of York, England. So that's where it all kind of takes place and you're Vikings and you are plundering, pillaging, throwing feasts doing all those things that Vikings do, and of course gaining victory points, because that's what Eurogamers do. So, that's great designer series number five, so we also put that there due to the cred of, uh, of course, Stefan Feld. Aren't Vikings last year at this point? I thought it was all about Mars this year. Vikings well, it- <laughs> 2015, Mars 2016. Well, Vikings on Mars, maybe. I think that's a possible uh, theme for a game. What do you think? But- <laughs> that, I, that sounds like it would both be awful and sell games. I <laughs> <laughs> probably It probably would. But, uh, Probably right around the time this podcast is launching, of course, we're going to have terraforming Mars uh, hitting the worldwide street date. And this is so hot, this game for us. Terraforming Mars is so hot that we are, I just got the report back yesterday from my sales agent, and we will, we will be what's called allocated. That's an industry term for that the distributors have ordered more games than I had printed, that I have in supply. And that was about 50% more demand than I had supply. And I made a very significant print run on this game. Um, the biggest print run I've done, tied for the biggest print run on any first print, you know, first printing of a game. So in Terraforming Mars, you are doing exactly what it says. You're trying to take the planet, Mars. This is 400 years in the future. So we have a few more technologies, but you're doing things to raise the temperature, raise the CO2 levels, which will raise the temperature, increase the oxygen levels, introduce plants, and animals create habitats and things like that. The response has been so good. Of course, we're going to do a second printing, but anybody who's looking for this game, they really, and I'm not trying to overhype it, anybody who's looking for it must go and get it immediately upon release because it will be sold out. I mean, it's sold out completely now in my warehouse. Gone. So it's going to be sold out quickly uh, at the retail level as well. So 
it's going to take like three months or so to hit the print button again and get them all back. So please try to, if you want it, go out and get it. Terraforming Mars, it's a biggie. Yes, we personally recommend going to strangeassembly.com, clicking go. on one of the Amazon buttons, yes. and then ordering it through there. That'd be great. That I, I wholeheartedly believe that that's the best way to do it for you <laughs> and us and not everybody. Your, not your friendly local game store, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, agnostic to how you purchase my games. Purchase them any way you like, but purchase my games. <laughs> <laughs> so... Let me ask you a, a random uh, personal question. So, uh, Core sure. Worlds, your your favorite game of mine so far. So, I, sorry, I have not played Terraforming Mars. We'll have to see. Is, right. is Core Worlds? Sure. But I I have always mooched off of other people's copy of of Core Worlds. Is there any chance that's still selling well enough that it'll get like a big box with all the expansions in it? Well, it still it still sells over time. I mean, it's still one of the you know I call I have a few games I have, I call my core product lines. You know, and a lot of them are the ones that we developed quote-unquote, developed in-house. We found the designer, brought it in. The Jeff Engelstein games that I mentioned before this, and Core Worlds, Andy Park's game, and Survive. All those games are like my IPs. And they're all continuing to sell, without a doubt. Now, will it get a big box version? No, I don't I don't see that happening. Because, But I don't, I don't know that for that kind of game, like a deck-building game, that basically is cards, and then a bunch of chits in the... Um, in the expansions and, and some, some larger, like, placards or, you know, uh, cardboard cards, I guess you can say, that you put down for the, the Galactic Orders in the first expansion, Core World's Galactic Orders. It's not going to get a big box expansion, but I think that, uh, for a deck building game, it's pretty, pretty reasonably priced. It's priced exactly the same as Dominion for, <laughs> for specific reasons there. <laughs> the, the base game, we, you know, we came out with it a couple years after Dominion and, I kind of deemed it like uh, deck building 2.0 because it kind of takes deck building to a whole nother level. You know, it uses deck building as part of the game, not like the entire game. Dominion is an engine that runs. You got to get your deck better, get it better, shed some cards, get your deck better. That's not exactly what Core Worlds is. There's card drafting in there. There's invasions of planets that you're going to use with your with your cards. So there's lots of things going on in Core Worlds. And then the expansion, Galactic Orders, adds those um, the ability to use some of those cards in ways that we, we kind of built the idea into the base game that there are these orders throughout the galaxy that transcend the, uh, the, the, the fighting that's going on. So you're going to have to grant, get favors from them. And so you're going to be able to use them as you deploy units to be able to, to, to try to either win their favor and get the most victory points at the end via them, or get their special abilities to use during the game. That's whole balance. Uh, and that, you know, between those two games, you're not, you know, that the base game and the expansion, you're not plucking, plucking down too much money, in my humble opinion. You're getting a lot of game if you get those two expansions. Then we actually added the, the Revolution expansion as well, uh, after that, the year after that. So, you know, all in. It's going to cost a little bit, but I think that it's uh, well worth the money. <laughs> yeah, right. Galactic Orders, that was, if I'm recalling correctly, there. it was sort of the, hey, when you buy Core Worlds, there are symbols on the cards that don't do anything yet. But they will. <laughs> but the they will do something. Well, that was one of those things where, you know, you want to keep the base price down to a reasonable, manageable level. Because there's a lot in the in the Galactic Orders box. There's a, basically almost a, another complete set of cards. There is another complete set of cards, not quite as many. But then there's several sheets of counters and these, these Galactic Order oversized cardboard cards that you're then going to be throwing chits onto and things like that. So Andy Parks, the designer, 
amazing designer. He's been doing so much work uh, in, in for various companies. WizKids is the company he does the most work for right now and has done some great, great IP work. Yeah, well, he he just led the uh, Star Trek retheme mm-hmm. of Mage Knights. That's right. Oh, phenomenal, phenomenal game. Yeah, and he's he's just he is another genius of of game design. And uh, you know, he had the whole plan out that he could do this. And he, when he pitched me the game, he said, "This is the base game. This is how it works. It works great." But We'll put these symbols on the cards. And he actually came to me late in the game because he had started developing this idea for the, uh, for that expansion, Coral's Galactic Orders. And like, we're like laying out the cards. We're getting it ready. He's getting close to going to print. He's like, Steven, if we put these symbols on the cards, we'd have the greatest expansion. He's like, Andy, hold on, hold on. I, you can put the symbols on the cards, but there's no guarantee I'm doing an expansion. We got to sell the base game. Base game sold quite well. We've, we're in our third printing on Coral Worlds. So we did, obviously did a printing of uh, Galactic Orders. We did a second printing of Galactic Orders. So it's a, it's a, it's a nice IP that is gonna, you know, is gonna be around for a while. And, uh, I not, will neither confirm nor deny that, uh, you know, there could be a, another game in that line at some point. <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny that. But Andy and I have been talking about how we can do other things. The, the, the deck building portion of the game. Is probably run its course. I don't know that we're going to be adding more expansions to that game, but I don't know. You know, a board game version of Core Worlds in some regard could be interesting, don't you think? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I've never mentioned that, by the way. You just got a scoop on a potential. It's actually not in the works right now. <laughs> like but scoop. You got a score as an idea. <laughs> That's right. I have an idea, but it's it's something that we've been we've been kicking around for a while and. Uh, and he's just so busy, you know, working with those big companies that, you know, I got to get a little bit of his time to, to focus on another, uh, another game for me. Yeah. We'll, we'll do that when I, uh, when I release the episode, I'll, I'll be like stronghold game exclusive announcement of Core Worlds <laughs> the board game. And don't, don't say it like that, please. <laughs> say, say Bonacore hints at potential <laughs> things that you can say. Oh, but that would be much less entertaining. <laughs> Well, you can say what you want. I'll just deny everything. Deny, deny, deny. <laughs> well, yes, and then people will actually listen to the episode and be like, oh, that that thing. Strange Assembly guy, he's such a liar. There you go. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> so, when you talked about bigger companies, so what, is there anything that you, you know, would like to do someday with Stronghold or or wanted to do and haven't been able to do that you think you could do if you could you know, scale up in size or <laughs> hire some people to do some work that I have to do. That would be great <laughs> since I work like a dog. Um, you know, I, as we scale up, um, there's going to be uh, opportunities. I, I hope to, um, to, to bring on people that, you know, have more specialized skills. I mean, like, listen, I'm, you know, I, I'm a pretty smart guy, but I surround myself and this is the, and I've said this a thousand times. You know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm I'm smart enough to realize that if you bring and you surround yourself with smart people, you're going to do really well. So I don't design games. I get the best designers. I can't do art. I get great artists. Graphic design, got to get graphic designers. So you got to do those kind of things. So and I and of course I have those things already. Had to have them just to to grow to where we are today. The next step, get you know, get some better marketing. Get somebody with a really good sense of marketing. Get somebody who could. Uh, do the customer service for me because that's a, a grueling task that takes a lot of time. You know, things like that. You know, the things that any company that's growing as fast as uh, Stronghold Games would just need to do at some point to to just take it to the next level. 
Yeah. And of course, if you know, Asmund Day backed the truck up and you know gave me a lot of money, you know, I would that would be that would be a really good thing to have happen. But you know, not <laughs> not planning on it. <laughs> I, I, I hear there has been some consolidation, just a little of, of late. Yeah, just, just a, a smidge. <laughs> but yes, and then you'll there will be announced that Asmodee is is buying your games, and then there will be a rush for people to buy your games before that new like minimum pricing uh, <laughs> kicks in. But no, it, it is kind of strange like that, right? Like uh, Fantasy Flight just announced the impending termination of their agreement with Games Workshop, which if you had been paying attention, you kind of already knew was coming because they haven't been playtesting any new Games Workshop products in like six months. Right. But the all of a sudden, right, the exact same games are still out there, right? Warhammer, Adventure Card Game... It's the exact same game that was on the shelf last week, Fury of Dracula, exact same game. But now, all of a sudden, the fact that these games are not going to see more printings, more rush, like, there's just been a a bum rush on people buying these things up. So, just, you know, create a a sense of scarcity, and then people will all of a sudden go out and buy something that they apparently were not interested in buying at exactly the same price just a week ago. I um I didn't even make this. It's a funny thing when when you said that I was on the geek today really briefly and I and I just said hey, well, why is Fury of Dracula third edition number one on the hotness? I just like and I just looked at that and I kind of had to do some stuff and I was like oh that's interesting. I don't know maybe somebody posted something interesting about it, but because it's an IP owned by Games Workshop, I guess right. And I yeah, yeah so just didn't licensed. make just didn't make that just didn't make that connection there until until just now. Um, by the way, one of the best. Hidden, um, hidden roll, hidden, what do you call that, uh, hidden, hidden, hidden movement? Roll? Hidden movement, that's it. Hidden movement games out there. I absolutely love, I've never played third edition, but I've played the second edition quite a bit, and the first edition when that first came out. Love it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if I, if you're listening to me, if you're not buying a stronghold game, I would pick that up too. It's, <laughs> it's a fantastic game. I always talk about other people's games too. I mean, there's, I mean, I know that, you know, uh, um, it's just in general. I mean, I, I produce a lot of games. I, this year I'm going to do 21 new titles approximately. And, you know, not every game is for everybody. And that's a, you know, a very important thing. Not every, not every game that I put out is going to appeal to every person. But I've always said that I want every gamer to look at my catalog and, or think about Stronghold and say, well, what's Stronghold doing in, in that category? In heavy board games or something like that. And I'm happy to tout also other people's games because, you know, Fury of Dracula, phenomenal. Uh, hidden movement game and uh, other games by um by fantasy Fly. i grew up with like you know like uh, twilight imperium you know uh, three i love that right up in third edition is one of my absolute favorites even though it's could be a six hour game it's still uh something <laughs> that i think is a, a landmark in um in in cool games yeah now there are there are, there are three of the the top 10 games on the hotness on bgg right now are Fantasy Flight games that are covered by the Games li- Games Workshop license. So, yep. yeah. yeah, and, and Terraforming Mars is is number five too. So that's right. Oh yeah, there just a small game like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, earlier you talked about co-publishing Yurvik. Yurvik. That's right. Um, with Eggerspiel, and they are also your co-publisher for Great Western Trail. Great Western Trail. I'm glad you mentioned that one too. That one has got a really big of of all my answer releases. 
I think people are most interested in that one. I think we're going to really, that game is going to have a tremendous buzz at Essen. It's a Alexander Pfister game. Now, he's a little designer that has had a lot of success recently. He just won the Kenner Spiel de Jar for the second year in a row. That's the that's the connoisseur's game of the year, right? Are you you familiar with that one? There's the Spiel de Jar, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. That's no, a that family was, uh, game. Isle of Sky. Uh, that's right. Uh, no, um, uh, Mombasa, wasn't it this year? That was last year. That was last year, and this year was Sky, right? I think that was Sky. it. Sky, yeah, because right? it was because it was Sky, Pandemic Legacy, and Time Stories. I think were the three right. finalists. Exactly, and um, Mombasa won. Mombasa then won. Um, the International Gamers Award this year, which is his, and it won the uh, Deutsche Spielpreis, which is like a fan-voted uh, game of the year in uh, in Germany. So, Alexander Pfister has, has, has really made a great impact in the industry in, over the last couple of years. Great Western Trail is his latest. I did put it, again, in the Great Designer Series because of his impact that he's having. Number seven, in fact, in the Great uh, Designer Series. And this is a game where um, Heavy Euro has a deck-building element, and you are managing resources and trying to drive your cattle um, across Texas and Oklahoma on this map and bring them down to the... I think it's Texas and Oklahoma. Don't, don't get me... Don't. <laughs> I hope I'm not wrong on that, but I, I might be. And then you're finally getting them uh, to trains to move them around and things like that. It's a... It's a, a really big, deep, meaty Euro. So this is, this is one where people are saying... You know, um, I hope it's got the weight of, uh, of Mombasa because that's a pretty biggie, big one too. And, uh, and Alexander recently came on, uh, on Twitter. He's like, he's like, oh yeah, you guys, anybody who's a, a fan of his, of his big designs are going to like this one too. So we have a lot, a lot invested in this game. And, uh, I think that when people see this at Essen and, and how well it, how nice it looks and, uh, and the great gameplay, that we've put into this and that Alexander has put into this. I think they're going to be very, very excited with this latest Fister game. Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, Great Western Trail at Texas to Kansas City. you got to be longer to have Great Western Trail. I mean, you did like Oregon Trail length. Missouri to <laughs> Missouri all the way to the Pacific. I, know, I, th- I think the, I, you know, and I, again, I could be wrong. I think the Great Western Trail had a, a certain amount of historical significance, and I think it was in this area, and I could be, I could yes, be wrong. I, I'm not a... <laughs> Ah, gee, look at that. I just, I just quickly threw it into Google. And of course, there's, there's something for everything. GWT.org, Great Western Trail, the greatest trail on earth, they're calling it. But they're, they're, it looks like they're going, f- I don't know. I'm looking at various states here that don't, uh, nope, nope, it's not the same one. <laughs> no, yeah, this is, this is, so it starts in Utah and. Yeah, it's nope. not the same one. So, not, <laughs> so, okay, you know, historical accuracy in board games, you know, they could, they, they might not be great. But uh, the, well, the fifth- no, no, there was, there's probably because you would have been uh, right. I assume you this is you're 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 a rancher, so you've got your herd in Texas, and you're probably taking it to Kansas City because that was a uh, I believe that was a big railroad. Absolutely, I, I'm pretty sure that if you like, I think Kansas City is the terminus point in railways of the world, right? That's where you can spend your thirty thousand dollars to. I think so. Yeah, for the Western Spike or whatever the. I don't know. I've never actually been in a game of Railways of World where that happened, but, you know, <laughs> I hear it's out there. <laughs> so what do you look for? I mean, you, you publish across a, a wide range of things. You know, you have smaller card games like, like Diamonds and then and heavier things. Do you 
just look for, okay, what do I think the best things are? Or do you try to spread yourself out in a given year so you're hitting these different segments? Um, there's definitely the um, the latter that you mentioned, that you, you don't want to come out with all games that are 60 70 plus dollars. Neither do I want to have all these little light games. So you definitely want to have a nice spread in the catalog. But as I mentioned, I, I specifically attempt to find great games across whatever category that I whatever category there is. I mean, re- until recently, I never had a war game. Now I have a war game with The Fog of War. So I I have tried to not pigeonhole myself, pigeonhole stronghold games, into any genre, but as I make partnerships, and in, in, in the uh, the legacy, or the, uh, as the, the as stronghold games has grown up, it's you can see that it's a, it has been, especially in the last year, about picking up new and interesting partners across the world. So We've mentioned the Eggerspieler games. We've mentioned the Pursuit of Happiness that you played at Gen Con, and that's a game with a strategic partner, Artipia Games. We have a strategic partnership with Spielworks. Spielworks is a, a small company. We're also run by one person, Uli Bleneman, and he basically does one or two games a year, puts out just a thousand units of each game. Gamers gobble them up because they're amazing games, and then I'll take them in many cases, most cases, for second printings uh, and do a worldwide release on them. So I am basically looking for those great games across the board from various publishers that don't have the reach that I have, uh, and I do have worldwide reach uh, via my sales agent, and I find them and we brand them under the Stronghold Games banner. So that's how I'm trying to uh, grow the company. No, but that's that's not... Uh, you don't have any more Essen releases from them, right? Because you were last... You're, you have two more, uh, two Freedom and Freeze for the your, your other uh, two Resin releases? Oh, au contraire, sir. I have two games, uh, with Spielworks, actually. One is a follow-on game to La Granja, or La Granja. We had, we, we released that last year, and this year we're doing La Granja, the dice game. No siesta. So, uh, basically we've distilled Distilled La Granja, or La Granja. I, I never know which way I should say it, because, you know, English is La Granja. But uh, technically, in Spanish, it's La Granja. So in La, in, in La Granja, it's a it's a nice midweight euro that uh, you're you're collecting uh, resources. You are you have action dice selection in there, and the action dice selection portion of that game is really what we've kind of distilled into a dice game alone. So dice are rolled, and you're able to choose the resources on the dice that you can use to score your victory points. Very fast game. Two to four players, uh, and uh, you know it was, it's a it's a perfect you know if you can't play a big meaty game like Lagranja, you can get Lagranja No Siesta and play it fast, and you'll still get that that quick you know experience of a of a dice based uh, you know a, a dice game version of the game essentially. Okay, so now, now I was prepared to talk about maybe five things, but you 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 must have more things on your Essen list than I. Uh... I, I realized. I Because I, I thought what you had left, what, I, what I, the other ones I had noted down were, were Fuji Flush and, and Fabled, Fabled Fruit. Fruit. 
I'll talk about those too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk about everything. I, we could be here for hours, but oh, I, we probably well, don't we're not going to be here for hours, sir, because I have to edit this. <laughs> I know. We 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 we'll, we'll quickly we'll quickly finish. Just I'll mention the other one with uh, Spielworks, which is Sola Fide: The Reformation. It's a two-player oh. game about the Reformation. 500-year anniversary of the Reformation is in 2017, and this is designed by by uh, Jason Matthews and Christian Leonard, who did a. You know, another small game like Twilight Struggle, you know, which is the number two game on Board Game Geek. Jason Matthews is involved with that, you know, and that was the number one game for the longest time. But the two that you mentioned are with Freedom and Freeze's company, 2F Spieler. Fuji Flush, very light game. It's a, it's a, this is the lightest of the games, um, that I'm, that I've done in, in quite a while. It's just a, just a deck of cards. It's a card shedding game. Everybody gets a hand of cards and you're trying to get rid of your cards. And you're doing so by playing cards onto the table that are either higher than any card that's been played, uh, in which case you'll make everybody else flush their cards, they'll have to redraw. Or, if you play cards that are lower, you're okay. And if you play cards that are tied, you're going to actually, um, uh, you can actually multiply the numbers together. So that's how you can gang up on the bigger cards in the game. If I play a four and you play a four, together we have an eight. So to somebody to beat us, they're going to have to come up with an even higher card. So it's a game of it's a game of picking the times when you're going to cooperate with somebody to try to get rid of your cards, and other times where you're going to say, "No, heck with you all! I'm going to play the highest card on the table, and you're all going to flush and have to have to redraw your cards." Fuji Flush, very simple, small, but very interesting card game that plays three to eight players. Yeah, and then Fabled Fruit has a legacy-ish element to it. That's a really good way of putting it. We're calling it a fable game, so we kind of created our own new genre. We'll see if it picks up with anybody else. But um, the difference is, in in a fable game, the game never permanently changes, right? In a legacy game, the, 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 the hallmark is that it irrevocably changes, right? You're making a decision that will change forever, and you, and you rip cards up, and you mark the board, and you write on things. In a fable game, that doesn't happen. The game starts out in a very basic state, with like six actions you can take. You're basically, you're trying to collect fruit and then use that fruit to create juices. You'll have these like sort of contract cards. I forgot what they're called in the game. And if you've collected the right amounts of fruits, you can then, oh, I can, I can take three bananas and, and two cherries and, and a, and a kumquat and I can make this type of juice. Boom. And I, and I, and I score points. And it'll start out with the only six basic actions available. And then, as those actions are used and go away, other ones come out. So the game is going to evolve over time. You're not going to know what the next 30 actions that are possible in the game until you've played probably 20 to 24 games is like the average that we've seen played when all of the game, when you've played all of the, the various actions in the game. And each game is going to take you half hour or more, you know, about a half hour, 40 minutes like that. So it's, so you're going to get a lot, a lot of game experience out of this. You're going to play that first game. Oh, that's interesting. And, and, and several more actions came out. You're going to play it again and several more actions come out. Play it again, play it again. And you're going to see this entire game experience ch- uh, um, tell a story over time. And then when you're done, you can say, wow, that was cool. And you can reset the entire thing again back to its initial state. Play it again. See if you can do even better with your friends or with the same group or the new group of friends. So that's where it varies from the uh, the legacy uh, elements of the games that change completely and forever. Here, it changes just for a short period of time, or just for that that session and the next session, and then you can reset the whole thing when you want to. 
reminds me of the legacy-ish thing that uh, Stonemeyer did with Tuscany, where you could sort of unlock the the different mini expansions uh, over a, a series of games. Very interesting. Yep, I I did not play that, but I had heard about it. But uh, you know what? I'm not a. Let's rewind back to because I I had forgotten that this is one that obviously I had forgotten that this is one you had coming out at Essen. But Sola Fide, I was actually excited about when you announced that i i really like the theme and here i stand is basically impossible to get played (laughs) (laughs) big 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 game yeah which really really wants to have the full six which is rough so how 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 big is like i mean you mentioned they they designed twilight struggle which i'm actually scheduled to play on friday uh yay excellent game because that's uh yeah that's a that's a really good one right What's the weight on Solafide? No, much, much, much lighter. We're talking a 45-minute game. Solafide is a 45-minute game. It's it's based on, a, if you've seen or heard of the campaign manager system, but they modified that system. Uh, it was also a Matthews and Leonard game. Campaign manager 2008, I believe it was called. And uh, they've modified that system, and now you are uh, you are struggling or you're you're trying to influence... Your one side is playing the Catholics, one side playing the Protestants, of course. That's what the Reformation was about. And you're trying to influence the inner circles of the Catholic Church. So, and the person who's doing the best over time is going to end up winning, winning the game. You go through ten, I believe either there was historically ten, or in the game there are ten inner circles, and they're all of the, the various, and the, those inner circles are different parts of Europe. So you're struggling over the different parts of Europe and trying to win the favors, uh, within the Church. Either to reform it or to counter the reform, if depending on what side you're playing. Okay, it's got a lot of notoriety. It's 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 interesting when we announced this game, um, a lot of religious groups came to me and said, "Wow, that's something that is so interesting and so different and so cool." You know, we really would love to see this when this comes out. So, it's not a light game by any, by any stretch of imagination, but it's certainly light enough. Call it a call it a, a mid a midweight two player game that uh, you know. That hopefully it it can catch some interest from you know from some from some people outside the industry outside of our gaming hobby that that is and to me that is a great way of of growing the hobby I've always I always keep trying to figure out ways that we can do that to get more people into the hobby. Yeah, I, I'm a a bit of a sucker for the the theme because I'm like ooh. Catholicism. I like Na- Navigador. It, it's trivial. I like Navigador substantially better because, like, oh look, it's Saint Francis Xavier. I went to his school or <laughs> one of them. <laughs> I went to Saint Saint Francis High School in Queens myself. <laughs> so was it that? Was that a? Is that Xavier? Is that a sissy? Or that's a sissy. Yeah, Saint sissy, Francis yeah. of Assisi. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's Francis Xavier, but it's, the schools are always just Saint Saint X. Yes. <laughs> so, although now you have to go around and 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 say like, no, no, no. Look, I know the guy in the X Men is X Xavier, but the name is actually Xavier. Xavier. It's- yes. <laughs> yes. Actually, it's Xavier. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I think we're uh, about to, to to wrap it up here, but let me just go for one more. So, sure. other than Stronghold Games, is there something that is coming out between now and the end of the year that you think? Is exciting and think that people should check out. Well, you know, I am. Uh, we talked about legacy, and to me, games. Um, the best thing about any game to me is an experience. That you know, that's why we. Why do we play board games to begin with? Because we're sitting around a table and we're we're 
experiencing something together. That's the difference between that and most online games and video games and all of the technological-based games. So, uh, and we talk about legacy. I am a sucker for that concept where, in the end, we're going to have that thing that we can talk about. You remember when that happened? Remember when that happened? So, Seafall is a game that I've been waiting for for years from when it was announced by Plat Hat originally. And I'm a big, I'm a good friend of uh, both Colby Dauk, the president of uh, Plat Hat, and Rob Davio, the designer of Risk Legacy and co-designer of, uh, of Pandemic Legacy. So I'm dying to get my hands on my copy of Seafall and start that campaign up. But I better finish Pandemic Legacy first because I'll never have a chance to do both. Probably, yes. And, yes. and if, if you're listening to this episode and are not a regular Strange Assembly listener, episode 194 was our first review of Seafall. So. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. Yeah, so you, well, you I, have a copy. Yes, I I uh I got one at Gen Con, since I had early access to the the right. hour extra on Thursday morning. I was one of those people standing in line. It was it was kind of funny. I I got back and was was telling my group like, oh yeah, I was standing in line. It was about here, and they're like, yeah, we saw you on the Dice Towers video coverage. I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't really think about that. <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> we we saw you standing in line on news coverage. How <laughs> very but, good. Uh, yes, we're. Five game. We've completed five games, and we had to take a bit of a break. And then next next Friday, we're going to start back up again. Excellent. Yes, I'm so. very much looking forward to that campaign. Hopefully, maybe over the holidays, I'll be able to uh, to do it if I can get get my copy by then. Okay. Thanks for coming on and talking to us, Stephen, or talking to me. I guess really, there's just the one of me over here. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I appreciate it very much. I mean, thanks for thanks for having the Podfather on. You must have him on your podcast to be truly recognized in the podcasting world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I I, I I I I would suspect that having the Podfather on your podcast is let's let's say it's a necessary but not sufficient condition. For, <laughs> That's it. There for you being go. truly right. Re- well, let's say, well, let's face it. If if you want to be we're truly recognized as a board gaming podcast. You're what? Probably, if you get on the Dice Tower Network, I guess that's really well. The... That's a that's certainly a good one. I mean, you certainly get a little bit of notoriety there. But uh, no, no, keep working at it. I mean, you just gotta keep, you know, just get do do good content and uh, get yourself out there and market yourself well, and you'll be somebody. You'll oh, do marketing, marketing. <laughs> hmm. Marketing, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's kind of really outside Twitter. my realm. <laughs> Talking, see that I can do. There you Although go. you would not necessarily know it from when I uh, have an interview with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tend, I tend to talk a bit. Yes, I do. <laughs> but I guess that's good. I hope, hopefully, I keep. We hopefully we'll both keep it interesting for the listeners. That's the important thing. Yes, that's that's what we're aiming for. So, uh, but uh, yeah. Thanks for coming on, and you've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there or on iTunes. We are at the usual social media. We're at Strange Assembly on Twitter and facebook.com slash strangeassembly. I'm always happy to hear your feedback, comments, criticism, questions, whatever. I'm Chris at strangeassembly.com. But until then, for Stephen Bonacore, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. Yeah.